Hey, uh, do you have mod privileges? Yes. I don't know what to call them. Hey, oh, okay. I can hear you now. But you, you are, you are in the mod, in the mod, like the private staff chat that they have. Uh, they seize the means of production. <laughs> Great video. I um. I want to say it's a fantastic video, and if I could, a uh, really interesting subject that you might be uh, regarding this series is Dengist revisionists after Mao died, like a mini internal civil war, and how that pretty much changed the economic management. Uh, if, yeah, uh, you, you'd be interested. I I think it's a little bit more serious to the internal uh, struggles. Uh, I mean, if, if I could, is there anything I can say or convince you? Because they're really good capitalists, the Dengist revisionists. Uh, to Uh, so I can't say much because my uh, father-in-law is literally a part of the CCP, and also you may or may not be on a, a list inside China now. Um, but uh, well, anyone who makes topics on China, they. But uh, basically, uh, the Maoists were pushed out, and the uh, reformists and actual good economic managers. Uh, took power, and they're called uh, Dengist revisionist after Deng Xiaoping, but they don't want you to know that, and no one is allowed to question whether, how, if the current CCP is actually communist or not. Good day, boys. If I did a Chinese voice, that would be racist. You don't want that. Very, very conservative, uh, very pro-capitalist uh, in the current party. 
but still trying to uh, basically synonymization—I can't say it right—but synonymization, essentially, of every every concept that enters China, including uh, capitalism. Basically, capitalism with Chinese characteristics—very uh, strong authoritarian say, um, central role. I, I mean, would the, say um, China is like the most capitalist country there is yes. right now. It's because not really like my a... dad, yeah, it's not true, but inside it is because my dad was a banker. He used to work in um, China, and he said uh, from his experience working in China, they must they the most capitalist society there is. Well, what's the definition of capitalism? Because from what I know, what there is a free market in China, it's not a capitalist nation. China, China labels himself as a. Uh, but like if you look at their companies uh like the largest companies who owns them who operates yeah, them China, they don't have you know, the capital people don't you know um the guy who made aliexpress that he became really really rich he was basically forced to leave the company because he got too powerful alone uh, I don't really see that as you know. You don't see the go U.S. government uh, now uh, threatening so, uh, the of Apple. So may may I ask, would you call it communist though? What? Would you no, call it communist? Yes. No, no, oh, it's, no. It does so, like a bunch of things from here and there, but right. So if uh, I may, um, so the problem with uh, a lot of people when I talk to them, uh, I, I'll try to say this quick before I get trouble and taking off uh, is that uh, basically uh, a problem for a lot of people who, uh, who basically uh, outside looking in is that uh, this, uh, they look at it from a usually non-communist communist perspective, a, a kind of Western perspective where it's, uh, it doesn't matter left or right to them. It's, uh, it's really much if it's authoritarian or essentially Chinese control, if you like a, a big overarching to the to this basically everything with Chinese characteristics. Oh no yeah. no no! I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah, like okay. They might check my well, IP back. I'm about to head out, boys. Yeah. Mm. Also, uh, I, one last. Okay, yeah. Oh, fuck. No, no. She's dead now. Uh, well, I think China's really interesting thing, but I don't think you can describe them as capitalist because they have, there's a lot of, like, there's zombie companies, basically, so they have, uh, it's called zombie companies, they have, like, of lots of large companies basically funded by failing companies yeah. that are funded by Those the state. Are the international, that's the international companies. The real companies inside um, China um, are true capitalist. Well, I describe true capitalism like maybe we aren't um, a free market where you can buy, sell, whatever without the state doing anything. Because mm. if you want to label, um, Capitalism, no communism. Uh, the government mm. would have a lot more tax and all that. Um, China doesn't really tax a lot of 
transactions? Well, they do, but not to the extent of an actual communist country such as our well, USSR. I think you should look at it of how many government control you have over the industry, the you know, the capital. Mm-hmm. How many? You, you're talking about um, government control, for instance. Well, then will you bring up Germany as a capitalist country because they force other companies to um, rise up in the same industry? It's like uh, right in, in Russia they have the oligarchy. In China it's like the the communist uh, um, parliament. I forgot how it's called. Is basically all of them are billionaires. They owned like um, it's like all of them are very very rich, and their kids are also like their families are very very rich because so they get the money. You know, the, the, it's like I guess it's very unbalanced the wealth distribution in China. Corruption is really common. Oh, but yeah, it's like it's like in Romania. You you can go you can go to the big city and then travel a few uh, kilometers and find like you you can think you you're going back to the eighteenth century like to peasant farmers like this sort of stuff. I know it, it's like in China. Basically, you have really large um, um, disparity. It's like and you know with corruption everything if you it's all it's a lot of corruption obviously so just like i don't really see how it it's 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 like a period it's appearance capitalism because it's like oh the, they don't have laws but the uh, the capital is controlled by the state it's like uh, just like uh, all the banks yeah well the banks are controlled by whom yeah I mean, it's capitalism, but 
the private owners are the people in government and yeah, basically. Friends. So yeah, and uh, mm -hmm. if you like, if even if your company fails, it's not like you go out of business. You just get uh, fund more funding from the government. And uh, the, same, the same way in monarchy is technically capitalism. Yeah, the the state is the, the private property of the monarch. So yeah, capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty correct. Yeah, sounds right. Ah, uh, what's most annoying? It's like the economists as communists, and you know everyone's equal, but uh, old people don't get their um, how it's called pensions and stuff. Yeah? So like, come on, it's like you know supposed to be equal, not caring for the elderly. Yeah, it's, it's not black and white, obviously. Horrendous atrocity. Um, what do you think is China's future? What What do you think is going to happen?
Do you think that's 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 why they started investing heavily in like Africa and Kazakhstan and countries like that just to have like a cheap manufacturing base in other countries when their event their population eventually starts to you know demand a higher pay and a you know better uh how do i say this uh a better state of living or better living conditions and they can't get those you know eight to eleven percent uh jumps in uh production and everything I think they could definitely catch up to South Korea as as, as far as, you know, uh, the living standards for their people. Um, <clears throat> right now, they're a little bit behind, but like you said, within the next, you know, 10 years or so, uh, I think their middle class can be uh, up to that level where they're not, you know, necessarily in in the same league as western nations like the united states or maybe germany but they they could they could def yeah just just yeah they they can just get that one step up towards like south korea and uh i dare maybe say close to japan one day but it seems farther away for that No immigration. They, yeah. 
no immigration, a very aging population, and and like a total like social mindset of you know not really letting anybody from the outside come in join that economy to to uh, add more of a working population. Their population has just gotten so old that um, there's really not there's there's not going to be enough taxpayers to take care of the aging population in a very short period of time, I think. And they're going to be suffering massively, I think, within the next five five to ten years, to be honest with you. Um. <laughs> I just want to point out one thing. I have an Asia Studies degree, so I actually study this stuff. So one of the biggest reasons that the Japanese economy economic miracle stopped uh, in the 80s was the rising oil prices because of the oil embargoes in 73 and 79 and the the old oil prices went up like at one point to about like four hundred percent what they were before, and Japan was importing Middle Eastern oil, so basically it really fucked up their economy and they didn't really weren't really able to recover from that. That was that's what stopped them initially. Now they have all the extra social and demographical issues on top of that, but that's what like put the brakes on their economy and started that whole 20 year long economic recession. Yeah. Uh, what me? Uh
I mean, mm. why don't you why don't you go ahead first? And I had a couple ideas on that too, but I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Why uh, here they they bring in like Chinese workers to work there instead of like letting the actual Africans build the stuff? So it's not as beneficial as it can be. Uh, I'm I'm only I'm only aware of the one China sorry the one Belt one Road um, policy, <clears throat> which is going on in Africa where. The, chi the Chinese loans uh, huge huge sums of money to to African governments, and particularly you know questionable African governments who are already known for corruption and and everything. Um, but yeah, uh, so, uh, <clears throat> uh, there are, there are also a lot of Africans uh, who migrated to China to learn Mandarin and you know learn more about more from the Chinese. So they can like come back to their their home homelands and you know build Africa as you know as per the Chinese uh, the Chinese uh, philosophy you know. Yeah, that's also a really big thing, of course. Yeah. Personally, I don't think um, when we are looking at, for example, China and, um, and and Africa, but then you need to see it in regions because personally, I don't think. You already see the problems within China. I, I think they will never be as prosperous as, for example, uh, even Korea, as previously stated. It's only going to be a very select... Um, this uh, well, is Japan in 1945. It is, it is a country ravaged by the... Capitals of the world um, is, mm -hmm. is really wealthy, but at the moment they are also having the major issue, and that's the major issue for China, essentially. It's not necessarily all across China uh, or even globally. That's uh, they are replacing a lot of labor uh, jobs for uh, capital goods. Well, in other cities uh, across China, this is not happening yet, meaning that even um, a square meter uh, of rent is even more expensive than, uh, for example, in New York. And then, that, then I don't mean prime real estate in the middle of Manhattan, but stuff around it, which is also very expensive still. Which is back's an interesting question. Are they not in a transitional stage uh, regionally? Uh, because when you look at to the population, it is quite strange to say, yeah, well, they're not the first economy at the moment. Because, of course, look at the uh, US. They are ginormous for their uh, population compared to other uh, economies like the Netherlands, uh, Germany, so on. Uh, it's quite in line. And then, of course, India... Um, and China are two very, very big exceptions in that rule, and they are now getting to that stage in order to perform. And I think that's going to be the same with Africa. They are going to have regional differences, even within uh, countries itself, which are going to be very, very prosperous. But that's going to be all, well, before the whole country is developed, it's going to take most likely 40 years. Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I'm I'm really gonna like lose my train of thought, so I wanted to get this out there. Yeah, sure. Um, the the reason I think that China is investing so heavily in Africa, and I think there's two reasons actually. <clears throat> One being is what I touched on a little bit earlier. I uh, they can see that uh, their population is slowly starting to get into this rhythm of uh, looking for higher paid jobs and being more educated and all, stuff like that. And the second is absolutely 100% without a doubt influence 
in a market where there's very little government control, where nobody's really in charge unless they've got the money or the might, speaking militaristically, that controls the region. And Africa is a resource-rich area of the world. If they were... If they would be able to provide some sort of stability in their country, I'm sure many, 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 many humongous companies would love to do business in Africa. The reason they don't is because, hey, this guy might be in charge today, but two days later, his brother might throw a coup and topple everything and change the whole plan around. And on this channel, if, if you've watched this channel for a while, like I have, everybody here should know stability, stability, stability. If there's stability in an economy, there's growth, you know, there, and I think that's what China's trying to do. I think they're trying to insert themselves in with these, you know, like, go happy loans. Here you go, have this to build all the infrastructure that you need. Uh, by the way, we get to use it too. And if you can't pay us back, we'll just take it over. And what does that really mean? Yes, we'll take over the port that we built, but to protect that port, are we now gonna be uh, putting in some sort of, you know, liaison into your government or trying to, you know, make sure a certain person stays in power? And I think that's what they're trying to do in the long term is to stabilize Africa to their liking and to exploit those resources, both man and material, uh, well into the future. If you've, if you've looked at it, they've, they've I think, um, invested just uh, in the last few years, I believe, is $160 trillion or something like billion. that, $160 billion, billion. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah, no worries. Um, but no, yeah, that they've what been jumping. It's completely correct. It, they are really heavily involved in those kind of things, and also understand, and that's a little bit more uh, a political side. Of course, you touched upon that as well. Is that um, they have a very big um, well opportunity to gain influence in that region. Why? Because they are not. They look to the West and say your miracle of democracy does not work for us. We're going to look elsewhere. Um, and it, it's a, it is an untouched continent. It, it, it's really, it's the most rich continent at this moment because they have so much resources, so much minerals, uh, coal, whatever. So everybody looks to them as a new frontier, as essentially the colonial powers did uh, back in the centuries. Um, and of course, the one who is going to be there first uh, is gonna uh, gonna be the one who has the most most leverage, and with their style of governance, uh, they are also very susceptible for these kind of economies and 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 governments. Because after all, a, a dictatorship which is stable still results in a lot of profit for companies who go there and so on, instead of regional warlords. Which, well, as you put it, one day that one is pow in power, another day it's another one. You don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also think it's about like global on the global political scene. Like, what sort of allies does China have? Whereas, like the Western world is sort of 
like you've got Europe, US kind of thing. But what sort of allies does China have itself? I think they see Africa as like the opportunity to get more allies in like sort of the UN and sort of more political area. I don't yeah, think definitely. China is trying to be used as an ally. Is trying to use Africa as an ally, but I kind of feel like they're investing in a way to kind of make China their Africa, the China semi colony. Like they're trying, they see the potential in China and they think, oh, we're going to help them, but then we're going to use them as if we almost own them. I see what you're saying. It's kind of like economic, uh, economic colonization. Yeah, basically. I think China sees an opportunity and they're trying to take advantage of it. Chinese characteristics. Well, it, it, it's yeah. quite funny because it's often coined this term also within the West. If you hear, for example, uh, and I hear it actually quite a lot in, in my circles where I work for, uh, when we are investing in, for example, foreign exchange rates or even just directly into um, as foreign direct investment into Africa, the African continent. It's always either they say it's it's new form of colonialism, the West should be uh, uh, just leading them and helping them, not colonizing them once more. Uh, neither we should take money from them uh, in order to make ourselves uh, more benefit, essentially, because we used to essentially extract resources from them, uh, use that in our uh, factories, gain a lot of extra wealth through the process, and then export them all across the globe. Meaning that if you buy a pound of uh, chocolate, for example, in cocoa beans, um, and you make one kilo of chocolate, you export 100 grams back to the, uh, the colony, essentially to the same area, and it has the same value because it has added value with them. Um, as long as, um, well, they are starting to build up industry, starting to export, being a little bit more good for their own citizen, getting up uh, consumer surplus, uh, stuff like that, then they can uh, enrich themselves. Currently, uh, they're just busy with infrastructure, mostly from uh, Chinese investment, and of course, look to the different, um, uh, well, countries, in, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa. For example, uh, Angola was re really liked uh, the, uh, the money that they got uh, to build essentially everything. They have an incredibly, like, $5 billion uh, dollar costing new city completely financed by China. They said like, eh, China, you know what? We don't like your influence that much, which China did not like in the first place, but they have a good history, so it didn't really matter that uh, that much. But they, well, have a huge influence to, uh, through that uh, avenue, more or less. You need to decolonize your mind, man. Decolonize my mind? <laughs> Why? Have we covered um, debt trap diplomacy, or are we getting there? Uh, I don't... Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to say. I'm a, I'm a little sick and my voice I'm a little sick and I also sound uh oh, I also sound younger than I am. Mm -hmm. 
Th that's what I was thinking, man. I was like, I mean, wait, uh, the voice doesn't match the questions here. <laughs> I mean, I am pretty young, though. I am probably the youngest here, but... I mean, I don't know, I just like... So you sound like, you sound like middle school. You sound like middle school. Personally. Oh, well, hey, let, man, more, let's more power to you. That's, I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, I, totally, I totally respect uh, young, younger people in, in this, you know, server discussing <laughs> about economics. Honestly, if, if I may say something about that, the young people currently have more open views about economics and stuff like that than the old. They are really, really focused on what they used to have and what they used to know, which makes them a little bit annoying sometimes to work in innovation fields. But they have the, well, the grunt work, the, the activity to still continue. They are the old, the old you know, well, the old guys, they continue by hard work essentially. Most. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, with the right with the right mentorship, they could you could actually cultivate, uh, you know, a better mindset in in young people. So. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. The only thing is that we in the Western countries where I come from, the Netherlands, we said you're little princes and little princesses. You can do everything. Guess what? The world is not gonna open for you. You need to do it yourself, <laughs> which is kind of. Oh annoying. my God, the U.S. is like that too. These children yeah. are treated like. You guys are gonna all grow up and be freaking astronauts and computer scientists, and none of you are gonna have to work at McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, and then you have even that system of expensive, ridiculously expensive universities. Um, which makes a huge depth and, and still they work like Not shitty jobs. Hmm? Not in Europe, at least in some countries. Yeah, I think I'm the UK well, is pretty good. I'm pretty sure in Germany they, they have their their things sorted out um for, for like, you know, youth with very, very uh poor prospects in, you know, university. Like if it's really bad in uh high school, they would they would be uh you know, advised to take up uh uh, technical courses, sorry, technical schools, and work in you know skilled trade, which is a better better option for them than to you know force them to go to university and uh, fail hard in you know academics, basically. We had that system in the Netherlands, and that has been completely phased out. Oh really? Well, wow! Completely. Oh wow! Why? Why, why is that? Uh, well, uh, parents and, and, and general public viewed these jobs and these uh, sectors as as inferior to. Uh, college and uh, and the university oh, degrees, man. meaning we phased out a lot of our own good work. Uh, me myself, bring, bring uh, I, I Poles and Romanians to do it. Yeah, ex yeah, we let Poles do everything. And the funny thing is, if you go to Poland, it's unfortunate that Refu is not here. He's he can tell you exactly that. Um, essentially, they are now hiring Hungarians, Romanians. For themselves to do the same thing what we are doing here with Poles, which is but but but, but like, I have to like I have to wonder why would they actually push you know society to to do this like why would they why would we now have to rely on you know immigrants to work in our skilled trade when we could provide those skilled trade jobs to locals you know what I mean well I'm then, not then exactly following the conversation here hmm? sorry uh, yeah. I'm not exactly following the conversation here. Like, w they phased out a system of universities or something? Um, no, well, I, I can, uh, I, I, I can yeah. tell you a quick overview. What we used to have, that is about 30, uh, 30 years ago. You had essentially universities, which were quite big. 
uh, but not as big as they are currently now. And you had the system of lower tier, middle tier, and higher tier. That has been phased out to essentially the same what we have now, but that is more theoretical. So what it used to be, um, high tier, tier, that would be very much with practical stuff, 50-50 with theoretical stuff. Middle tier was 75% uh, um, work hands-on with some education theoretically, but mostly work on. And then the lower skilled was just grunt work, learn how you do something like uh, what we had. Uh, I don't know the direct translation. Maybe it sounds wrong, but the maid school, uh, um, uh, the, 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 like uh, somebody for woodwork. Like technical like college, technical college. Like you, you learn yes, a trade yes. and, and do that trade. Things. Yeah, th those kind of things. However, due to the years that has been happening, we have transformed this into essentially a high school system with uh, four different layers, um, which result in if you have a very high education in that thing, you can go to university right away. If you're a little bit lower, then you go to uh, uh, HBO, so the higher education, which is fully theory, no applicable science, uh, applicable uh, education to that, uh, or well, uh, physical things, maybe as uh, internships, something like that. Uh, then the middle one, which is a little bit more hands-on, but it is still 50-50 theory, and it's, it's ridiculous. Meaning like electric people, uh, furniture makers, um, people for uh, plumbing, stuff like that. We have no education for those. We are running out of these people. It, it's quite funny because in the Netherlands, it's quite, uh, uh, people are quite annoyed because there is actually quite few jobs that are paying relatively well for like middle, upper middle class jobs. But furniture makers at the moment, they are middle class to upper middle class. They earn about 2,500 euros um, in their hands that is after taxes, meaning they ain't getting paid incredibly well. But nobody knows it, and nobody wants to be a furniture maker. Same here. <laughs> I see you what you mean. Exact same. You have that here with metallurgy. Like, uh, yeah, metallurgy, same thing. A, a, they have that in the U.S. Okay. with a nurses and, and electricians. Yeah, former, that a former commander of mine happening. in the army. After the army, he went to, to be a metallurgist, and he's making a very good living. Yeah, and and honestly, that is also if you look to it, a free market. And when it, it's strange that we are not doing some things uh, differently at the moment, but when people have the choice to do stuff and something gets underrepresented, you are gonna see that it's gonna be more valued. People are going to be paid uh, more. Okay, I got a question. Would it would it be more attractive to, you know, to kids if we could, you know, show them that you could work as a carpenter and, you know, you do business and you can turn out to be like rich and successful in the end? Yes. Show it the parents because it doesn't. It's not the children's fault. They they want, often children right. want to work. Right. If you give that's them a the great right point. Sentiment. Thank you for pointing out, Red. It, yeah, it is. I it absolutely is agree. Yeah, because my uh, parents are like computers, computers, computers. That's the industry that's growing. You have to go into IT or system security, well, and that's one, what thing, I did. Anything. Yeah, one thing. One thing I've uh, observed. Uh, from Elon Musk is that he he made out to be really successful because he just refused to listen to conventional wisdom like you know after you, you go to engineering school then you get a career in engineering and then you work your way up in the corporate ladder and you become a CEO of that engineering firm 
uh, quote unquote. But what he did was instead was he worked odd jobs. He shoveled coal from the beginning, and then he tried to build his idea for, um, you know, during the dot com boom, uh, he he formed PayPal, and that that was and that was like and and, and you know you know what happened afterwards. So and I feel like now he shoveled no, to his own bank account. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, I wish I did the same thing because. Like, let me tell you, I went into system security. For, well, first I went into information technology. Then I'm like, this is boring. I want to do something else. I did system security. And then, like, I got a job. And it, it's not like that it pays bad. It pays really good. But I've got, uh, sorry for the language, shit ton of student loans to pay back. I would have rather done two years of college gone into a union in the US doing electrical work and I would be making like literally the same amount of money, maybe like eight to ten thousand dollars less, had my own business, didn't have a boss that was yelling at me or telling me what to do. And I would be just as well off with way less loans to pay off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I did all the, I did all this school to go into a growing industry that pays well, and now I'm like, hey, thanks for paying me that um seventy-eight thousand dollars a year, but uh, guess what? Uh, sixty-five percent of it is going to freaking uh, SUNY uh, Albany for teaching me this crap. I, I bet uni was. <laughs>